Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is football Sunday night live stream. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by a sun tanned or sunburnt CJ Vola. Rod Babers looking good <laughs> as always there. Uh, but the young guy was out watching a little Texas baseball this weekend. CJ, let's start it off with you. Uh, you, you watched a little uh, baseball action on the diamond. Longhorn sweep Cal Poly this weekend. Hey, I mean, the weather was just too nice to not go outside down here in Austin after, you know, what felt like a long winter, you know, for at least Austin standard. It was fun to get out there to the dish, check out the Yeti yard a little bit and all the new uh, features for the dish nice. uh, this season. It certainly helps that the team put on a good performance in the weekend as well. A 7 nothing win this afternoon. They did not allow a run in the three-game sweep over Cal Poly. Pretty impressive uh, uh, considering Cal Poly strung together a number of hits today. And if you watch that game, you saw that the Texas defense was really, really on point today, uh, really in, encouraging this early in the season. The bats will obviously heat up, and I think they had four or five home runs uh, today as well. But, but man, the defense was f- phenomenal. Several outs that they had uh, from outfield assists uh, as well. So really, really fun day at the park. Again, it's 85 degrees. I, I haven't seen the sun in, in months apparently. So uh, <laughs> I'll be doing this tomorrow and, and throughout the week. But really, really fun weekend, and Texas baseball off to a pretty so- solid 6-1 uh, and one start. Yeah, Texas baseball, not the only one having a good weekend. Longhorn softball team, ladies, uh, number two in the nation. They finished four and one over the weekend. Sole loss was an extra innings loss to Stanford, uh, but they finished four and one. The women's track and field team won the final Big 12 championship out in Lubbock. Uh, I don't know if you saw the uh, Twitter uh, feed of the women's track and field team, but they they actually, Joey McGuire made a uh, made an appearance in, in that oh. video. Actually had to say, hey, we run Lubbock, uh, you know, <laughs> goes through Lubbock and, and uh, you know, that the Texas track coach said, yes, it does. Basically, <laughs> uh, women, uh, the women's basketball team also winning big yeah. over UCF uh, tied for the nation nation's lead in 30 point wins this year. The women are uh, with LSU, who's not surprising to be in that group. Uh, but then, of course, the men's basketball team, not so good up in uh, Allen Fieldhouse on Saturday afternoon. They just did not look, I don't want to say competitive, but that's the word. I mean, they they did not look competitive uh, against the Jayhawks on Saturday. C.J. Rod, either of you guys have anything to add to that one? Hey, that's another hardware piece coming from the Big 12 to, to end the Texas tenure in that conference. I'm sure uh, 
The baseball and softball teams will be looking to add to that as well as the teams on the court. If they can make a run, Texas basketball or women's basketball looking like they could, uh, you know, continue adding to that collection as a, a see you later one more time uh, for the Texas program. But really, really fun weekend across the board with the exception, obviously, of what we saw uh, in Allen Fieldhouse. But that's a tough place to play. Kansas has been rocking. Uh, they, you know, are supposed to be a two seed in the tournament at the moment. Uh, I think Texas will finish out strong uh, moving forward. Going in the Big 12 tournament, they have to, really. Yep. Hey, we got time for a bunch of questions tonight. We're going to do that, uh, talk a little bit uh, about it. Uh, first, we want to say thank you to our sponsor. Uh, that's Mark Saunders uh, and Allstate Insurance. Mark's a Texas Allstate agent. He is the only insurance agent you need to help keep tabs on the protection for all of your stuff. Everything from your home, car and boat, to your motorcycle, RV, and ATV when it comes to protecting all your stuff. Wouldn't it be great to just have one place that protects it all? Call Texas Allstate agent Mark Saunders' office today at 512-218-8571. Are you in good hands? With more than 35 years of experience, you will be with Texas alum Mark Saunders. Hook them, Mark. Thanks for your sponsorship. Call in at 512-218-8571. Hey, Rod, a bunch of news going on. We are now in the... I would call it, I think it's 24 days or 23 days. I can't, I guess it's, 23. it's eight blue days. Yeah, 23. Until, uh, <laughs> the Texas Longhorns uh, take hold for spring ball. Uh, you're, you know, I want to ask you about this because we, we were talking a little bit. What are your thoughts right now as a player trying to get ready for sp- spring ball? What are those guys thinking about? I know they've got workouts and all that stuff, but what are, what are they really going through mind-wise? Uh, I mean, every guy's got his own journey, right? I mean, there are some guys like you know, Jade Barron's journey is is nothing like you know the journey of a guy like Derek Williams, right? He's got a that they're on different paths right now, or or at least they're on they're in different parts, all right, of their journey, right? I think so. For for spring football, to me, it's all about uh, you know kind of that self uh, being able to kind of self critique, right? Yourself by trying to look in the mirror and figure out what you need to be, be- better at watching the film from last season, whatever your status was on the team as a player and figuring out what you need to improve on. That's what the spring's about. I mean, that's, it's about. Oh. I wonder if we lost Rod there for a little bit, guys. Rod, check your audio real quick. Uh, AT&T may have gotten Rod. <laughs> at and no, I think it's good. All right. I think my court. Yeah, my bad. I think my cord fell out. My bad. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think it's all about, you know, being able to be, you know, critical of oneself during the spring and look at what the areas that you need to improve on. What are you talking about as a team, as a unit or as a player? I mean, that's what I always focused on. I always focused on what I had to get better. At. I mean, that was always something, whether it was the technique or whether I need to get stronger. Maybe I needed to get bigger. Maybe I need to add some weight. Maybe I need to add some speed. Uh, you know, maybe I needed to drop a few pounds. I remember going into my was my junior year. I I I, I thought that I was a little bit too heavy um, coming out of my sophomore year because I was playing nickel my freshman year. Still kept on some of that weight my sophomore year, and I thought, no, I need to slim down so I can get faster because I wanted to be fast. I wanted to be able to run. I wanted to be able to, you know, kind of turn, if it, if it turned into a track meet, I wanted to be able to run with wide receivers playing man-to-man coverage. So I think for everybody, it's a little different. I mean, this is where football IQ 
and you know how how really how well you know your skill set as a player i think it really comes into play here i think it really plays a huge role and a huge factor about how these guys what their mentality is going into the spring now, let me ask you this let, let 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 me ask you what your first spring was like so take take for example you're Xavier yeah. Philsamy, Wardell Mack, Kobe Black, Jordan Johnson Rebel. You're one of those young guys. Yeah. And this is your first spring practice. What what were you thinking back at that point in time? Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, at that time, you're drinking through a fire hose, uh, probably, <laughs> right? Because you're trying to learn the scheme and coaches probably think, you know, depending on what kind of program you come from too, right? That helps. Uh, these guys aren't coming from a sophisticated high school programs, upper echelon high school programs, man, the strength and conditioning, you know, is a little, is, is very different. Uh, you know, we all know the schedule is going to be different. These guys are student athletes, right? So they do have to go to class. That's a big part of it. And these guys, they're new to that, right? Sometimes you don't even know where your damn classes are. I mean, you're, you're new to this entire kind of ecosystem of being a student athlete. So for those guys, man, it's really tough. It's really tough. I think in the spring to see that exponential improvement, that leap, because there's so much on their plate, right? They're, they're so they're trying to absorb so much. Kind of reminds me, you know, of a of a of a baby. I got a baby in in the house, five months old, right? Her 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 her, her improvements are, you know, they're 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 incremental, right? We don't there are no exponential leaps because she's still really really young, right? So her being able to roll over is a big deal her putting her pacifier in her mouth is a big deal that's kind of how i see these freshmen like it's it's a big deal if i can see them play with you know proper technique or i can see them um you know in a crucial situation be able to um make a big play as a as a freshman in spring ball um you know make an impression on the coaches that way i think any type of positive um, positive play or positive reps for those guys, honestly, is, is huge because at that point, the game's moving so fast for you. Everything around you seems to be moving at a at warp speed. And as you as you get more reps and you know the system and you're comfortable and acclimated to your environment, adapted to it, everything slows down for those guys. And I remember the moment it slowed down for me. And it, trust me, it wasn't the first spring. First spring, everything was flying by. I mean, I felt slow, and the game looked and felt fast. Uh, but I was going up against great athletes. I mean, that's Texas. I mean, and that, that's going to be the case for these young guys too. So any positive, you know, like I said, any positive reps, any positive plays those guys make, I mean, you almost want to overemphasize the, the the positive reinforcement with those guys because they are they're probably going to get beat more often than they ever have in their life. They're going to miss more plays than they ever have. And confidence can be a huge factor with those young guys because some guys lose it when they go through those struggles because they haven't gone through those struggles before. They always were the man. They always made the plays. And then they lose some of that confidence. And trust me, at DB, that's one of those positions. You can't lose confidence early. Um, and I think that's why, as a coach, a lot of positive reinforcement when those young guys come in. You want to break them down and – build them back up again, but you also want to make sure those guys don't lose confidence. They know that you're going to be a great player one day. These are the growing pains, and we're going to learn each lesson from each of those growing pains. We'll learn lessons that will make you a better player. All right, uh, we're going to get you all questions. We're going to get a recruiting update, some news happening uh, earlier today from C.J. Vogel here in a second. But first of all, I want to take this super chat from Juan. Any news on Tashard Choice in Georgia? 
or nothing to see here for uh, those wondering right now. Uh, Tashard Choice, the running backs coach at the University of Texas, is rumored to be a candidate for the same role at the University of Georgia. Uh, that's his home state. Uh, however, uh, uh, Choice just re-upped with the University of Texas uh, not more than two weeks ago. But, you know, coaches can still leave. Georgia has a job opening now. We'll see how this goes. I don't see him leaving unless it's for a head coaching position. And I'll I'll add this. Uh, Jerry and I, Jerry Hamilton and I have talked about this. Tashard Choice started being the preferred coach to go on the road with Steve Sarkeesian this, this, this winter when there were some coaching turnover, Rod, um, and, and CJ. And when he started doing that, that made me feel like, okay, he's trying to help groom Tashard Choice to be a head coach one day. Yep. And understand what it's like to go on the road as a head coach and with the head coach, that sort of stuff. I felt like that was a, a sign of trust between the head coach and one of his key assistants. And so I don't know. I mean, Georgia could come back and offer him the moon, right, financially and make things very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would say as it relates to this is I don't know that there's going to be much that can pry him away unless Texas just wouldn't offer him or meet uh, a dollar demand on that. I don't know that to be the case. Like, I don't, I don't think that Texas is going to have a problem uh, that, uh, that that's going to be an issue. However, I can tell you this much. I, you would be a fool to be Kirby smart, the head coach of Georgia and not try to get to shard choice on your staff right now. That's my personal opinion. Bobby, I thought you made a, a, a really good point there with Sarkeesian taking him on the road. You don't go see a, a defensive tackle out of Florida, a tight end out of Georgia, and an offensive lineman from the DFW area with Steve Sarkeesian, you know, right by your side if you're not viewed as one of those guys in the, you know, the really, really close-knit circle of trust there for not only Sarkeesian but Banks and, and Flood and that group as well, guys who have been around and have really been the faces on the recruiting trail to short choice is certainly in that group as well. I think there's – a lot of uh, hope that from the Texas side, obviously, that he's here for a very long time. And like you said, I think it's only uh, a, a head coaching gig eventually in which we could see a departure from him. Yeah, I mean, you never know. I mean, you, we can't say we definitely don't know. We know that Texas wants him to stay at this point. Definitely. I'll, I'll put it that way. And uh, we'll see if uh, Georgia actually does go there. Like I said, they'd be stupid not to, in my opinion. Uh, dude has just absolutely killed it on the field and on the recruiting trail. Not He's sure what else you could ask for him uh, right. of a of an assistant coach at that level at this point in his career. Just uh, very, very happy for him and what he's done. All right, CJ, uh, some recruiting news and notes before we go further and get into the questions, portions of this live stream. But uh, Jackson Christian set up a visit. Some other guys are, are coming in. Give, give people the lowdown. Yeah, a pair of officials locked in and one more to keep a close eye on uh, for moving into the June months as, as we head into the summer. Obviously, spring to go first, but our Jerry Hamilton over on On Texas Football was able to come up with some uh, official visit nuggets uh, earlier this afternoon. Jackson Christian, the offensive lineman out of Port Natchez Groves, uh, down you know the former home of Roshan Johnson, uh, is locked in for the June 14th through 16th weekend. Uh, there's a possibility he might be joined by Bridgeland offensive tackle Jonte Newman. And that's a big one. Obviously, Texas got, had him on the uh, the Tex, uh, the junior day, January 20th. He's also the teammate of current Oklahoma commit Ryan Foji, who Texas was offered uh, that same afternoon. The one that's interesting and is, is new for Texas fans here is Damian Shanklin, a defensive edge 
uh, out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Right now, his top five, he told uh, our Jerry Hamilton, obviously, this afternoon, was Texas, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, Tennessee, and Notre Dame. So Texas, obviously, the most southern school in that spot. We'll look to see if Texas is able to get him on campus for the spring. Uh, but if an official visit is locked in, it's uh, June 21st through 22nd, that weekend right after uh, Texas going up north a little bit to Big Ten country to get a defensive end prospect. I love it. You know, spread your wings, go find them where you can find them. That that's what you're supposed to do uh, when it comes to recruiting. So I, I'm 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 a big fan of that. Uh, interesting that uh, we've also got a situation right now where Texas is uh, literally trying to play uh, not just Texas, but everybody is trying to figure out what this NCA ruling exactly means and how they're going to deal with it. Some people are claiming that they're going to start making financial scholarship financial offers mm-hmm. uh, to players as soon as this week. I do not believe that's Texas tack. It wasn't as of Friday afternoon when I talked to a couple of different sources on this. Uh, they're going to talk to their, their own te- Texas's internal compliance group. Also have some lawyers make sure they look at it uh, and uh, give them a good good understanding of what's going on as well uh, before they move forward. But uh, uh, Rod, what do you think about this? What how does that change the trajectory for you? Because I've talked to CJ about it, I've talked to Jerry about it. Uh, you know, you're going to have guys saying, "Hey, this this team offered me this much, and you offered me this much, and it's going to be pretty." At least now, it's going to be fair and open for everyone to see as opposed to what I think has been happening is, Hey, come not, you know, nudging them over here. Oh, you'll, you'll maybe get this. If it it moves to a true open market, I think it actually, I think it's actually good for the players and the staffs of each school to know what they're dealing with. Yeah. Just like NIL, right. It puts it above board, right. It puts it out in the open. It's things that are happening anyway. Now we put it out in the open and with NIL now, right, we have we we tore down the wall between boosters, donors, and fans and the student athletes themselves. Now there can be interaction, but through an NIL capacity. Same thing with you know the, basically this these inducements. I guess we're talking about here, right? Inducements are when you can. Well, you, it was. It still is, I believe, uh, outlawed by the NCAA or not. Obviously, it's against the NCAA rules. Uh, but to be able to just straight up give a student, a, pro- a prospective student athlete, someone you're recruiting, to give them a dollar figure. And you couldn't do that before. You had to hit at it. Now, Texas is really smart because Texas had things like the pancake factory. And Darren Ravel did the hard work for us. He wrote a column about it, and it's like, well, thank you, because now everybody knows we ain't even got to we ain't even got to tell the the prospective student athletes and the recruits how much old linemen they're making. Everybody already knows how much they're gonna make, so thank you very much, right? You had to do things like that, right? And, and burnt ends. I mean, it, and it was smart. Texas did it by promotional and promotion and marketing, so people would know, like, hey, if you came to Texas, this is how much you can make that kind of thing, you would be in the neighborhood. Uh, now we're just going to remove that kind of vague, that vague cloak, all right, of, of, of amateurism. Uh, student athletes, uh, <laughs> with that ridiculousness, this is the free market has officially hit college sports. And I said it when it happened. I said, you know, the, the NCAA is a dinosaur and NIL is the asteroid. It is going to destroy that entity, guys. It is going to it, it's going to demolish it. <laughs> it, it, and it's happening right now. It, it literally as we speak, uh, because the, the NIL represents the free market, and the NCAA has always been against the free market. 
They built the structure of the entire organization <laughs> to be anti-free market. And now the free market is here. There ain't no stopping the free market. Y'all know that. Capitalism is what a powerful force of nature. It is. <laughs> we know this. This is what America is built on. And trust me, capitalism has hit college football and it ain't going back. This is it, folks. The free market is spoken. And college athletes, they're about to get paid. They're about to get paid. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. I just I was born, I was born a little too too early, man. I'm I'm sad <laughs> about that. I'm sad about my 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 times, my time span. I was a little off. I should have been born a little bit later. And man, Rod Beat have been set up early. Wouldn't even need that NFL career. That'd have been a bonus, the NFL career. Oh yep. man, it's good. But I'm happy for them. They deserve it. And this is what the free market's about. It's what capitalism is about. This is the Ameri- this is the American dream. We're just witnessing it. These guys get the and and ladies, they get to achieve the American dream. They go from nothing, a lot of these guys and gals, to now, you know, potentially changing the trajectory of their families forever through education and through. You know, obviously, market value for their name, image, and likeness. It's a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm happy about it. The, the problem that, that you have with name, image, and likeness is it's not really name, image, and likeness, right? It's, it's more about <laughs> pay for play, which, you know, at the same time, that's where I think that the, the athletes most likely are going to end up forming a union to get the pay for play money by way of actually getting a piece of the TV revenue. Oh, you go. Look, there you go. When it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago now when I was in school, Rod and CJ, I know that makes y'all all feel old or young compared to me. But a a you know a college scholarship was more valuable than it is today from, from that standpoint because the money wasn't there as big in college sports. I mean, look, until ESPN came about, college sports wasn't really a big thing from a financial I mean, they had games on Raycom, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, they, yep. they, they were, it just wasn't the same when big business started happening in and around college sports, the, the players themselves then became bigger uh, pieces of that. Uh, and I think uh, uh, are a big reason why uh, they may, they may look to be, I don't know if a union is the right word, but some sort of collection of, of group of yep. people where they go and say, hey, we need 10% or 20% of all uh, TV revenue that's coming out of this because we're the ones driving the viewership itself. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily Texas or uh, the university as much as it is the players, or uh, maybe it is 80% the university and 20% the players, whatever the split is, right? The NFL does that uh, as well. So, all right, hey, we got a lot to talk about, but first we're going to bring in a special guest tonight. Uh, yeah. Rod. This one's for you, CJ. I don't know if you've talked to him before. Rod is a former NFL corner himself. Santana Wilson uh, of Air, out of Arizona, Phoenix area, uh, joins us tonight. How you doing, Santana? Good. How are you guys? Good. I don't know if you know this or not. Rod Babers here, former NFL corner. He's going to talk to you a little bit about it. I know your dad, Adrian, played a long time in the NFL, mostly yes, safety, right? Uh, mm-hmm. what, what you know, Santana? Tell us what you're doing. You don't arrive until the till May, I guess, late May, mm-hmm. early June mm-hmm. on campus. Tell early us what June. you're doing to keep yourself going right now. Uh, really, it's just been workouts for me. It's been uh, kind of like a schedule that I made. It's just um, school, workouts, and then 
Um, just really making sure I'm in contact with my coaches at Texas and just making sure I'm doing the right things on and off the field. So um, that's really what I've been doing these past couple of months, just making sure I'm in the right position and making sure my body's in the right places uh, for when I am down in Texas to perform well. Hey, Santana. I've been... oh, go ahead, Rod. Oh, sorry. I've, I've been I've been watching your film, man. So I'm excited. I got some questions for you. How yes, what 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 percentage of the time do you say you play press coverage? Because it it seems like it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. A lot of the time, it's a lot of the time. I would say a hundred. Like, I really <laughs> I really love pressing receivers. That's that's definitely one of my favorite things about playing corner for sure. I can tell. I can I can tell, man. Honestly, I can tell. Okay, so can you kind of take me through your mental process, yo? your methodology at the line of scrimmage? Are you using different techniques? Are you Sometimes it's, it's a shuffle. Is it a check step? Is it, sometimes you know, you're going to mirror them? Sometimes it's mirror and then I, I do like double jamming sometimes, but usually I'm a, I'm a single jam corner. But if I do, then, you know, sometimes I like to switch it up and double jam receivers because that's, that's just the way I like messing them up. You know, I just, I just like, I like being physical with receivers because most receivers ain't like that. So yeah, nice. Right. Santana, you've got a you had a successful high school career. Are you running track this spring too, or are you off the track and just getting ready for football? What are you doing? Uh, I'm off the track right now, but I am I am still getting ready for Texas. I, I I've been working out nonstop, repeatedly, like week after week. So. I just been making sure I'm doing the right things, you know, just working out and you know, like I said, just making sure I'm ready to do what I gotta do. Santana, I wanted to go back to your recruitment a little bit. Obviously, thanks for joining us, obviously, tonight. That was sure. big time. Uh, but going back to your recruitment, you dropped the top eight early in June. And two weeks later, you had made your commitment to Texas. What kind of flipped in that time frame? And I know you made your, your official visit to Texas at that time. Was that kind of the, the nail in the coffin to say, all right, I know I'm comfortable here. I, I, mm -hmm. I can make my decision. Once I really felt the environment that Texas, you know, had for me, and then I really met the coaches and started to get to know them really, really well, you know, it just – it really secured it for me. That's that's really why I locked in on Texas. You know, the coaches, the relationship. I already knew they were going to be great, so I was like, it's just a matter of time before I commit. So, what was it, Coach Joseph? I guess that you got really close with during the yes, recruiting sir. process. Did he know your dad? Was there some he kind did. of yes, pre-existing relationship there? Uh, yeah, he he knew my dad for a long time, just off of um him scouting. So they they already knew each other. They were already really close. So. Just seeing that, um, you know, my coach and my dad were just getting along super well just made me feel really, really comfortable. So I really, I really just secured a deal with that and just, you know, uh, took it from there. I wanted to ask you again, going back to those official visit weekends, there were a number of, you know, big time prospects, a number of commits in that class as well, uh, whenever you were on campus. Who, as that class started piecing together, who were some of those guys that you were able to, you know, reach out to, connect, kind of grow that relationship with? Uh, I know it might be a little bit diff difficult from Arizona, but, uh, you know, looking forward to getting on campus. Are are you close with anybody right now? Oh, uh, I am. I'm close with Christian Clark. You know, he's he's from AZ. You know, I already knew Christian from him just being out in Arizona. I mean, we connected on a couple of our visits and stuff. Uh Jordan Washington, the tight end. Um, I took my ASU visit with him. You know, I was pretty close with him already. So when he locked in with Texas, you know, it was it was like you know we kind of started something. So 
you know, once I get on campus, you know, it's definitely going to, I'm definitely going to bond with, you know, the guys and really make sure that we're having that nice relationship that we're going to need on and off the field. Definitely. How big was it for you that a guy like B. John Robinson went to Texas out of the state of Arizona? Obviously, he's from Tucson, a little mm. bit different. But how big was it for him to go to Texas, have so much success? Did that say, hey, maybe Arizona can be a place for Texas players? Does that, that have sure. a role? For sure. You know, seeing a player like B. John, you know, come out of AZ and then he came out of Texas, you know, one of the one of their top running backs, you know, he's playing for the Atlanta Falcons right now. So, you know, he's he's doing his thing up there. But it just shows me that it doesn't really matter where you come from. You know, uh, the NFL can find talent and it doesn't matter really where you came, where, where you come from. You know, they'll, they'll find talent. So that's what it kind of told me. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Hey, hey Santana, I want to I want to ask you. Um, you know, obviously your dad played in the NFL, um, and that gives you a a, a lot, kind of a head start. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. being a great football player. What lessons did you learn growing up in that household that are going to translate for you, or have translated already for you, uh, being a one of the best uh, football players in the country? You know, just making sure I'm really staying on top of you know film and stuff like that. Um, really making sure my techniques are straight and stuff like that. You know, just I feel like regular people wouldn't really have in their house, you know, since the way I, I grew up with the, you know, NFL household, you know, I have, I have a father that played in the league and stuff like that. So um, just having him around, you know, teaching me right from wrong on the, on the football field and stuff like that, it, it definitely helped me for sure. This is interesting. This is a more big picture national recruiting question, Santana, but you know, with the PAC 12 kind of their future looking a little bleak, you know, there's, the big schools out west are headed to the Big Ten. A couple of the Arizona schools obviously come into the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. Is that was so, was that going through your mind a little bit in the recruiting side of things to say, hey, maybe you know going to some of these more schools in the south, southeastern side of the uh, side of the country, was that more prevalent to you? Did they, you know, kind of say this is going to be where the best football is played? What did you think about conference affiliation when it came to evaluating schools at all? Uh, to be honest with you, I, I like Texas on where they were at, you know, the, the big 12, but when, um, they announced the news where they were, they were going to go into the uh, SEC, I was, I was excited for, you know, it's, it's a bigger challenge. It's a bigger step, you know? So just going into the SEC from the big 12, you know, just, it's, it's definitely a big leap and I can't wait to see how we can compete, uh, in that next conference, you know, that next level It's, it's definitely going to be something, uh, Good to see you next year for sure. Yeah. All right, Santana. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this evening. Uh, this is the Thursday, uh, the Saturday, Sunday night Longhorn live stream. That's Santana Wilson, 2024 signee, uh, University of Texas cornerback, uh, son of Adrian Wilson, former All Pro safety for the Arizona Cardinals. Santana, I get we got a little thing here. You got to do a hook them for us, buddy. There it <laughs> yes, is, for sure. Okay, bud. You have a good yeah. one, Santana. Thanks, Thank Santana. Thank you. Thank you. All right, thanks. Thank you, man. Good, good, another good player, another good guy. It sounds like uh, the Longhorns uh, have uh, have on their yeah. way to Austin. Uh, 
Rod, what did you think about his take on uh, some conversation there about his style of play or what he liked to do? I, I love his style of play. I mean, he seems to be I, – I, I'm not surprised that he says that he loves playing press coverage um, because he seems enthusiastic about it. And I, and I was wondering if he's trying to play the same technique every time. Some guys are, you know, very, very – you know, they're kind of obsessed with playing the same technique over and over again, right, and trying to make sure they perfect that technique, whether it be mirroring or whether it be a check step or whether it be – you know, that jab technique. He said he actually, sometimes he does a double, you know, kind of a, a double rush technique, tries to get two hands on him. Um, you know, sometimes he does a, kind of a one-handed jab. He said sometimes he mirrors the guy. I was wondering about that. Watching the film, he seems like he utilizes multiple techniques at the line of scrimmage. And it's not a surprise. I'm sure that's the influence of his dad. Man, hey, man, you got to be good at a lot of different uh, in a lot of different ways and a lot of different techniques, depending on what type of player you're going up against, you know, the same technique that worked against one receiver that was really effective might not be the best technique to deploy versus a receiver with a different skill set or a different size, whatever it may be. So I love, that's what I love about his game. Um, that shows you a lot of high football IQ. Also so shows you a, a technician that can master a lot of different techniques and not only master them, but, you know, be able to put them into practice on the field. Hey Rod, let's let's grab you this question real quick from David Williams. Do you see similar play styles in Terrence Brooks and Santana Wilson? I think they're both more technical, nuanced CBs rather than more fast cornerbacks like Manny Muhammad and Wardell Mack. What do you think of that? Obviously, both have parents who played in the NFL and yeah. were successful there. That yeah. that's probably part of that, right? Yeah, uh, that, that that's why I think, and I love that um, that observation. I think he uh, put put a put the hit the nail on the head there. I really do because Terrence Brooks, I like his skill set, but he's he's not necessarily a burner. I don't necessarily think he's one of those guys. I think he has great footwork because his dad is a footwork coach. Uh, played in the NFL, so I think he's got really high football IQ in terms of knowing where to be, um, understanding how to, um, you know, in terms of the leverage once you're squeezing a receiver, right? How to play a receiver is a it's a certain nuance to it. If you're gonna play the receiver through the, you're gonna say play the football through the receiver, or you're gonna play the receiver and allow the receiver to let you know where the ball is gonna be, right? These are certain things, and I think you got to know when and where to do that. I think Terrence Brooks you know, kind of has that savvy mindset about him. Um, and I, I like what Santana Wilson brings to the table, too. I think both of those guys have they, – they take pride in their technique and they're proficient in their technique uh, where they get in trouble. And I think Santana Wilson does a good job of it. He gets his hands on receivers. My one criticism of Terrence Brooks, I would like him to get his hands on receivers more at the line of scrimmage. Watching film on him, that's kind of my one pet peeve is that there are times when he wants to get into a track meet. And there are times, like I said, for a mirror technique where you don't have any contact with the receiver. You're just trying to kind of cut off his angles, all right, using leverage. And you can use that technique every now and then. But I, I think Terrence Brooks does it a little too much. I'd like him to start to reroute wide receivers, redirect them, because I think he's got the feet to do it. Um, and I think they, if they practice better leverage, I think he can, you know, really disrupt and really neutralize a lot of routes before they even get downfield. Rod, I got a question for you too. And it's, I, I wanted to go back to your days and I couldn't obviously find your huddle, you know, from your high school days. Oh, man. You can't do uh, that. But, yeah. but he mentioned something that's interesting to me because at, at the high school level, you know, you see it a little bit in the seven on seven game whenever, whenever cornerbacks press at the line of scrimmage, you know, there's mm -hmm. several techniques that go into it. Yep. Were you, you know, coming out of high school, would you say you had 
a number of technical presses in your bag coming out into college at the time. How impressive is it that he had so much knowledge about so many different techniques right now? And how important is that going into a freshman year in which he won't have a spring football season? That's a great point, CJ. I can remember having a couple. Um, and they were honestly things I copied from watching NFL football. It was, I, I just copied different stances. And I remember studying like Deion Sanders and uh, Daryl Green and studying um, Eric Allen. I remember studying those guys and like watching them and like, man, that's the that technique. What does he do there? Did he do that on purpose? Why did he shoot that leg like that? I, I My coach used to get mad at me actually at Lamar High School. <laughs> coach Jackson would get mad at me because I would. Do y'all remember the Deion Sanders uh, uh, stance at the line of scrimmage? His press technique. It was weird. He would, he would have one leg leg back and one leg forward and I would do that technique all the time if my coach hated it because it's so <laughs> it's so fundamentally flawed but he's a freak athletics so he can you know he can make up for it he, I think he just liked it because it looked cool he would explain it as it would it would basically confuse the wide receivers because they wouldn't know where he was rushing from and where his leverage was coming from and all that but anyway go study go google it Deion stance it was really really cool and he would so I I, I did it by studying I didn't really get it from from coaches at the high school level. Uh, at one point, they did bring in Coach Jackson, who played in the NFL, and he started teaching me about the inch technique and started teaching me about hand placement when I, I played press coverage. But it wasn't until I got to the, the college level where I really got a repertoire of moves at the line of scrimmage. That it wasn't just go up there and put your hands on the receivers. Like, no, no, no. You add the check step. You add your shuffle, right? That's kind of your mirror technique. You can inch out of there. You can rush them, right? Sometimes you want to rush the guy and just, boom, you can just hit him in the chest. You try to hit him in the throat sometimes so he can lose his, you know, get, lose some oxygen. <laughs> uh, you got your scab technique. That's kind of your one arm. Uh, you got, obviously, a two-hand uh, press where you try to get both hands on them. Santino Wilson talked about that. You know, there's your wedge technique, your, your squeeze technique. I mean, it's a lot of them you can throw out there. Um, and I, I, I always said Coach Aquino would, he would give us these tools. And it was up to us. He would say, like, you know, like Batman with the utility belt. It was up to you to figure out when to use that tool you know, and how to use it and at what time. I can't tell you every time, hey, this is the tool you got to use on first and 10. No, no, no. You, I, I'm not out there as a coach. You know, you got to figure it out if you need to speed turn or if you need to flip your hips. Like, you need to figure that out. I can't do that. I can just give you the tools necessary. And that's how I kind of always look at the DB position. You got to have those tools in your bag. You ain't always got to use them, but I love those young guys like Santana Wilson already have them in their bag. Yeah, that's good stuff. I, I got to say this. So let's be clear about what Rod Babers did. He could run faster than anybody on the field. That, that, was, that was Rod Babers in high school. I, I remember talking to Tim Brewster about that. I don't know, I don't know if he's going to be a good corner, but he's faster than everybody else. <laughs> that helps. That helps. <laughs> that, that that's is. how that goes rod b you were yeah. you were that a lot of people talking about your hat or a couple of people at least talking about your hat in the chat as well uh there rod I oh think yeah pretty style stylish looking thing it, baby yeah gotta right, we're gonna spend the rest of the time talking to folks uh taking your questions please feel free to get them in i'm gonna answer a couple of them real quick uh any from jason smyers any interest in jacoby matthews from texas a&m uh, Jerry Hamilton of On Texas Football reporting today, no interest from the University of Texas and uh, Jacoby Matthews. Uh, Matthews announcing his uh, that he would transfer 
from AM, I guess yesterday or the day before. Uh, Texas, uh, we've checked in. Texas not expected to, to be interested in Jacoby Matthews, the starting safety, or one of the two starting safeties wow. returning for Texas AM. Crazy. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Hey, guys, have either of y'all seen the uh, Johnny Manziel interview with Shannon Sharp? Yes. Lately? Yes, the Club Shay Shay interview. It is, it's good, guys. I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty good. It's he's revealing stuff in, in that damn interview that he didn't even reveal in the documentary about yes. him. That his dad went to Kevin Sumlin and demanded with like three million dollars for him to come back to school and for two Sumlin, years. For two oh, years, yeah. and honestly, they probably should have did it. I'm not I'm not, listen, <laughs> I'm not advocating for breaking the rules, but Kevin Sumlin, obviously, I mean, it started to decay and deteriorate right after Johnny left. You could argue it would have been worth him to get that money to Johnny because at least you'd have kept it kept it rolling. You'd have been winning double-digit games with Johnny at least. Now, uh, the, the thing that I thought was interesting, there is a lot of different pieces to your point, Arad, about uh, what that, that interview had to say. One of the ones that I thought was very apparent, he goes, you know, he felt like Kevin Sumlin was hypocritical. Um, and, and, and I'm thinking to myself when he first said, it, I'm like, what is he talking about? And he goes, well, Kevin Sumlin was telling me not to go party, but then I would see Kevin Sumlin out there partying. Like I was partying. <laughs> this is hard, you know, and hard. that's not what you want to see from your, you know, they were going to Jay-Z's nightclub in New York together. Hey, I man. Mean, that, that's a little different now. Right. And so I, that was the one that just kind of took me aback. That's when that's when you know Kevin Sumlin just wasn't right for for that job. I mean that's that's a that's tough, and I'm I'm uh, interested. What do you have any thoughts on that one, uh, CJ, and what we what you heard and saw? Uh, he's he said it a few times, whether it be in previous interviews or podcasts or, or documentaries. Uh, but just how upfront he is with it. You know, the harder that I partied, the better that I played. And I think he truly thought that. And, you know, those two years where he lit college football on fire, especially his freshman year, you know, he lived that out. And it was true because he would have some crazy stories to tell. You know, you, you see the photos with the money phone, uh, the Scooby, uh, Scooby-Doo uh, costume. I mean, I don't know how he was able to do it, but man. It was impress- impressive, you know, to say the least. But I, I couldn't imagine in a day like today, I think 20, what, 2011, 2012, and he was starting to do that. You know, camera phones were starting to come around a little bit more, so you're starting to see it. When you walk outside now and you see something like that happening, there's hundreds of phone on you. You couldn't get away with anything like that similar today. Uh, that was probably the last time you could do it without, you know, getting it in, in 4K plastered everywhere on, on HGTVs. So, yeah. Uh, it, it's impressive. different. It, it is definitely different. I think that, you know, I, I look at it and I just I just remember his his entire thought process of going through the pro and that in that documentary, um, Rod, and he started talking about, oh, I could I could play. Just put me out there. It didn't matter. And I remember in that documentary that the, his agent got a call from the general manager of the Browns and said, mm-hmm. You know how much film Johnny Manziel has watched of, of thus far? <laughs> and the agent was like, I don't know. He doesn't watch much film. He goes, no, no, it's not much. He's watched zero film. Zero. <laughs> you zero. Think do you think that would work in today's NFL, not watching any film as a quarterback? That, that that's wouldn't work crazy. either. 
That wouldn't work in yesterday's NFL. <laughs> he thought he was above the law and above uh, that sort of stuff. And, you know, it ends up, it's just, it doesn't work that way. Uh, Jay Wood 888 uh, has this question. Do you all think Texas reached out uh, for Chris Gilbert, uh, the new uh, assistant to the head coach, uh, to come back? Uh, Chris was, of course, the tight ends mm -hmm. coach at uh, North Texas. Uh, and then uh, before that was the director of high school relations for the University of Texas. Yes, I do think that's what happened. I mean, I think Texas reached out because they thought he would be perfect, and he's back. And so I think Steve Sarkeesian made that happen. Uh, good question there, uh, Jay Wood. I uh, appreciate you for the super chat as well. Uh, let's go to this one. I thought this was an interesting one. Uh, e. Kim, best player outside of VY during Mac Brown's tenure as head coach. Mine is Casey Hampton, according to E. Kim. How do I not? I mean, outside of yeah. how do you not go with with Ricky Williams? Um, no, given that he won the Heisman, but it was only one year. So if you take Ricky out of it, Colt, Colt, well, the, the Colt, Earl, and Derek Johnson, and said Vince. Yeah. Who? I was thinking Earl. Was he? Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas. Yeah, he should have won the Thorpe that year too. They yeah, he the was good. Yeah. I really think that as a face of the program outside of EY, there's no question it's Colt. Yeah, it was Colt. As the yeah. best player, I mean, I, I can see DJ. I can see yep. Casey Hampton. Mm -hmm. um, anybody else that you I, – I can see Earl Thomas. He was that good a DB. Now, see, uh, your, your point about Seth Benson wasn't off too. Seth B was – Seth B was damn good now. Yeah. <laughs> he's, no, he's tremendous. I mean, yeah. he, he's just tremendous all around. Um, hey, Rod, this one from uh, AJJ Sports. Uh, which freshman quarterback, cornerback this season could you see working himself into the rotation first? Wow. Uh, those are Wardell Mack, who's playing a little bit of nickel right now. Mm. Uh, Kobe Black, uh, who's out of Waco, uh, Connolly. And then, obviously, the young man we just talked to, Santana Wilson, out of Arizona. Oh, that's good, man. That's good. Um just you know, now I'm thinking about Santana Wilson just because I've been I just watched him, so a little recency bias there. Uh, <laughs> and we just talked to him. Um, I really like Kobe Black's game, but it, you know, a lot of a lot of this the early contributors, uh, not not a lot of it, maybe some of it is based on the high school programs they come from. Yep. And like the, some of these guys are in some high level strength and conditioning programs in high school. Um, some of the, some of the guys are coming from some, you know, top level coaches, um, at, at the high school level that really have them have their football acumen, right. Up to speed and their football IQ really high. So that's why it's a tough, I, honestly, now I'm kind of talking myself into Santana Wilson because I'm thinking about his dad and, you know, the upbringing in the household he's with an, an NFL culture. He's an old soul in that regard. Uh, Kobe Black would be. I, I mean, I love Kobe Black's game. I just do. I think he's. I, I think he's gonna say I'm smooth. He's smooth. It's hard to find corners that are smooth like Kobe Black, man. And he's kind of a natural press corner. He's got you know all the kind of raw materials. But I wonder if it may take him, um, you know, like an off season or so. I take him like a you know a season to get adapted, acclimate. I'm. It's, to me, it's all about whose game is going to be at ma most mature as a freshman. Not necessarily about who has the highest ceiling, you know, in terms of those guys playing. And I think it's possible that Santana Wilson could be the most mature, his game right now, 
could be the most mature of those, you know, guys that you mentioned, those early contributors potentially. I, I want to say this. I, I wrote an article today on on Texas football, giving a breakdown of the early returns on some of the guys in the secondary. Um, right now, the one that that uh, I'm hearing behind the scenes is just everybody's really, really genuinely excited about. Not that they're not excited about all of them, right? Because that, that that goes without saying. But Xavier feels to me the early returns for him have just mm-hmm. been incredible. Um, I talked to someone close to them, and it, it sounds like he is uh, he is starting to uh, be one of those guys where they're waiting to just see what he can do in the spring. Uh, now, Jordan Johnson Rebell uh, and Kobe Black have not been uh, there yet and haven't really stood up. Uh, Wardell Mack has looked okay at times. They really like uh, his long arms. Uh, and then, uh, you know, that's the, the rest of the defensive backfield right now, Rod. It looks like it's who it's supposed to be. The one thing that I, I learned that was very interesting is that Jalen Gilbo, who's been backing up, oh, yeah, Johnny Aaron at uh, nickel is getting some time working at corner right now. So he's getting a little work at corner, seeing if they can't create some versatility there. Uh, Warren Roberson working at corner, Gavin Holmes at corner uh, as well. Uh, But uh, Derek Williams, the other one that everybody uh, really just thinks is a real chance. Hey, Rod, I want to to give you this line because I know you hadn't heard it, but I was talking to someone uh, about Derek Williams, and he said that the only thing that they had issue with or that was really – is not the only thing, but one of the things that they had issue with last year mm-hmm. was him taking some wrong angles at time. Right. And they, that was because he played more of a true linebacker in high school. He just walked seven, five, six, seven yards within a line of scrimmage and then just make it up. If somebody mm-hmm. ran, tried to run by him. Yeah. If he gets that out of him. Yeah. He's going to be a special player for him because that's the only thing they really, you know, could, could nitpick on him last year. No, I like that. That's really good because I, I think it is tough. I, I call it running the alley, right? You got to be as a safety. You got to be able to f- find that alley and run that. It's basically find the right angle to the football. And you want to find the most efficient angle to the football. And I heard, you know, I, I believe it was my man, Michael Griffin, talking about it. But it may have been someone else. But I believe it was him a while ago talking about canceling gaps as a safety when you, you know, kind of you trust your teammates and you know the defense really well you know where the ball is going to pop because you can kind of cancel gaps based on where the defenders are and where they're supposed to be and what their responsibility is, what their, the gap integrity of the defense. So you can, you start just when you can start your alley a little bit early because you know, all right, the ball's going to pop right there. Um, now you got to make, you got, might have to adjust it. Somebody, you know, uh, you know, misses, uh, you know, a gap and somebody, you know, misses an assignment, something like that. You have to be ready to adjust. So you're watching the football. Um, but a lot of the alley can start by diagnosing things earlier. And I think as a player, once he's more, first of all, he was just learning the defense too, right? That's part of it. So once he's now, he's done with the learning stage of the defense. Now that's muscle memory for him. That'll get him quicker to the alley. And I think also learning, you know, the responsibilities of the front and where that ball is going to pop, where it's supposed to pop. If everybody does their job and everybody should do their damn job, then sometimes you can, Jalen Catalan was great at it. I mean, he was alley Catalan, man. He was the real deal. He could, he would hit the alley as well as any safety I've seen in a long, long time. 
Um, that would be the goal for Derek Williams. And he's got, obviously, the foot speed to, to get downhill like that. But, yeah, it's just angles to the football and being able to diagnose it quickly. I think that'll happen, honestly, this season. I expect it to be one of the biggest improvements in his game. They, 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 I'm told that they think that it's, it's a, a situation where it's just natural uh, that it'll, it'll happen for him as he gets more and more used to the speed of the game and yeah. what people can do to him because they couldn't do that to him in high school, right? Uh, he just didn't play enough of those top-notch guys. But now he's, he's learned a year, and, boy, they, they think that he's going after things the right way like a pro right now yeah. in the offseason. So uh, that's really, really good to hear. All right, uh, before we get to some more questions, I want to take a minute to say thank you uh, to our sponsor of the Sunday Night Live stream. That's Mark Saunders, Texas All-State agent. When it comes to protecting all your stuff, wouldn't it be great to have one place that protects it all? Here's some good news. Texas All-State agent Mark Saunders is the only insurance agent you need to help keep tabs on protection for all your stuff. Everything from your home, car, and boat to your motorcycle, RV, and ATV. Call Texas All-State agent Mark Saunders' office today at 512-218-8571. Are you in good hands? With more than 35 years of experience, that's right, 35 years of experience, you will be with Texas alum Mark Saunders. Give him a call, 512-218-8571. Thanks a bunch, Mark. And again, 35 years experience. You want somebody handling your insurance that's been around that long and been successful. Thank you, Mark, for your sponsorship. Hey, we're going to go and take a few more questions here and comments. And I'm going to pick up AJXOXO. He had a really good question, by the way, for Santana Wilson that we did not get to, but I want to read this. I read on TechSags that they are going, they being uh, Texas A&M, are going to pay players directly as employees of the 12th Man Foundation. They are saying that it's totally legal because the players aren't employees of Texas A&M. Mm. There's, nothing, there's nothing to keep Texas from doing something similar and setting up a similar foundation. But AM has that mechanism already in place. The Longhorn Foundation is a part of the university, whereas the 12th Man Foundation has no direct uh, tie to the to Texas AM, so they can do it quicker. So wow. they can't co-mingle funds. The issue is can they still give, can they still do that and get bonus points on their uh on their seats wow. and stuff like that? Because Texas right now can't do that through the Longhorn Foundation. Wow. Look, we, we, we talked a little bit about this. Um, CJ, you're, you're, you're on the ground and have talked to kids. Jerry <laughs> Hamilton reported on uh, Saturday that he's already heard from one recruit that was told on Friday from a college coach that, hey, we're going to offer you this amount of money. So it's already happening. Okay. Hmm. Now it's, it is what it is. It's already happening. So this, wow. not, and that wasn't from Texas, by the way, just to be clear. So from, from an opposing team. But where do you think this goes for the young kids, for the, these guys that are out there that you talk to, whether it's, I mean, look, it could be Michael Terry down in Alamo Heights that you talk to. It could be uh, one of the guys at Vandegrift or whoever. What, what are your thoughts on this? Well, it's interesting to me. I, I've, long wanted, you know, a, a, a really kind of side of regulations when it comes to who's dealing with these kids and where that money's coming from. When it, when you talk about the uh, uh, coming from the, you know, whether it be the Texas one fund or whatever university their their NIL fund, you know, kind of 
bank is from, basically. Where is that money coming from? Who's it going through? And how is it getting to the to the prospect? Uh, if it's eventually going to be where the kid is a quote unquote employee of the school, now we know it's from point A to point B. And there's no middleman there, which kind of muddies the water a little bit. I always think that's a little bit of a sketchy process when it comes to who's representing you. Because we've talked about it in the past, you oftentimes have to go through a number of people to get in contact with one kid, despite all those people claiming to represent them. We saw it in the portal a few times with a number of kids that uh, entered their name whenever they really start blowing up later in their career. Now that everybody wants a chunk of them, and I think it, you know, at times it gets a little dirty. And so I'm hoping this kind of eliminates that kind of middleman, that little hurdle that you have to clear at times. Pros uh, recruits now know that money is there to be made at the next level. Yeah. It's all about finding one, the fit on the field. Can you get to the NFL and what can you do to, to benefit off of your name, image and likeness while you're doing, uh, or I guess in, in root of that process to the league. Uh, it's interesting. You know, it's again, the ever changing uh, evolving times of college football right now. I hope this next step uh, just eliminates kind of that murkiness when it comes to uh, the prospect getting uh, paid and not taken advantage of, as we've seen through uh, contracts on the other side of things, when it comes to uh, the uh, the collectives and, you know, how kind of they take advantage of prospects sometimes. Uh, and also, again, just the prospects and their families being able to reap the rewards and the benefits of what they've worked so hard to be able to do. Hey, I want to see if Rod needs glasses or if he can read this one. Can you read that, Rod? Rod Tuttle is on VHS. Yeah, it is actually. This is not a joke. <laughs> it is on VHS somewhere. The Rod B highlights, man. I'm telling you, it's, it's all VHS. I don't even. I don't even look. There's no high definition, so it's hard to even make it out. Sometimes it's all blurry out there. Pads is all bulky. I I saw myself on the video game the other day because somebody sent me because they were talking about the EA Sports video game and they sent me like a picture of myself on the game. From oh man, like 2002 or something. Oh man, them graphics is terrible. It's just all <laughs> pixelated and blocky. Oh, I'm, I'm not to share that with y'all. It's bad, man. It's I'm gonna put that in, in the group text. It's it's real terrible, man. It's, I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of that. <laughs> You're going to look for it so you can send it to us right now. No, I'm gonna send it. Uh, to maybe, maybe if you send it to us, Matt will put it up on the screen. Our producer Matt will put it up on the screen. For everybody to see Rod Babers in the oh, game in 2002. Terrible, hey, this one from Michael Alvarado. What's the biggest improvements y'all think we will see this season? Now, I want to say this. Oh, I like this. This isn't what we hope to see. What do you think the biggest improvements we will actually see will be? So, th th you know, I'm going to start. Okay. I'm going to start. I'll start, and then you guys can step in. But I'm going to go with a quicker Quinn Ewers in decision making. Mm, I like That's that. what I'm going to I'm going to go for. He's going to try to get the ball out a little bit quicker and realize he has to have a, a little bit quicker trigger. That's that's my that's what I think he's going to do. What about you, yeah. CJ? I, I think it's it's simple because of how poor it was in 2023. But red zone conversions to touchdowns, it you know, by by default, I think it'll be improved because I felt like it was kind of an anomaly for Texas to be this, you know, inconsistent in converting in the red zone with as much a talent that they had with this much talent now on the roster again. Mm -hmm. 
I only feel like the, the water will find its level eventually, and those numbers will be much better. I think it'll be a an, a strength next year with another you know veteran offensive line again. So red zone, red zone import, improved performance. I think Quinn will be, get quicker. That actually might be part of getting better Definitely. in the red zone, by the way. Yeah. What do you think you're that. definitely going to improve on next year? From a, a the biggest improvement will be Rod year over year. Not I what think, you want them to do, but what you actually think they will do. Um, I at first of all, I love both of y'all. So that was good. Um, I'll say to me, it's easy. It's got to be pass defense. And honestly, I'll throw that. It's got to be pass defense because they they really haven't taken a dramatic leap in improvement in the secondary and pass defense since the staff got here. Now I'm not talking, you know, I'm not putting this all on the coaches or anything like that. This is not me calling out anybody. I think a lot of it is they is kind of the last phase of roster construction for the coaches. Look at these DBs they're bringing in, bringing in five DBs in the recruiting class, a sixth with Makuba. And, you know, you could argue last season that was your biggest issue, right? I mean, you were applying pressure on opposing uh, quarterbacks, but you know, your, your past defense left too many windows. And when you went against an elite quarterback, right. Or quarterback that played a really high level with Dylan Gabriel, Michael Penix, those are the games you lost. Uh, which, you know, hey, I mean, there's not a lot of elite quarterbacks out there. But, hey, man, if you want to win a championship, you're going to see a couple. And you got to be able to win those games. And your secondary's got to – they got to they gotta be more consistent in coverage. And I think with Jade Barron coming back, the addition of Makuba, we talked about Malik Muhammad and Terrence Brooks. We're expecting those guys to take a huge leap forward. Derek Williams, expecting him to take another leap forward. I, I, I dare say – the co- really the coverage and the secondary should be a strength next year. And the truth is, it's been a liability every year Sark has been here. The secondary is the only, it's the only position group that hasn't improved. And maybe I'm just tough on the DBs. I could be. All right. But I think you all agree every other position group has, has seen a distinct improvement since Sark got here. A leap, right? Quarterback, running back. Well, running back was all right before he got, but you know, I mean, wide receiver, O-line. Good lord, the O-line. D-line, linebackers have shown up and been great. The secondary, I don't think, has seen the same trajectory of success to those positions. And I don't think it's all on the coaches. Um, but I remember Jerry remarking that when um, they announced the the new uh, contract for Sark and how he got the coordinators and the assistants all bumped and extended, that the secondary coaches weren't necessarily extended. That they didn't have the same extensions as some of the other coaches because I think Sark wants to see this year if they take that leap. And if they don't take a leap, he's going to be, all right, that's four years in a row. We ain't improved in the secondary. We're, we're developing at every other position, guys. Something is off here, especially now that you got talent there. That's And you've been able to infuse your own guys in there, right? Now you got Malik Muhammad in there. You got your Terrence Brooks in there. You got a Makuba. It, you know, you can't really have the excuse about, oh, man, we don't, you know, we haven't really uh, overhauled that position yet. Well, you, you know, half the, half the guys in that secondary now are guys that you recruited and brought in. Got it. I, so so basically secondary, Quinn Ewers, and Red Zone. Those are the three. I, I, I like that group. All right, uh, we got a couple more minutes here before we uh, got to get going. And we're going to use this last for a little bit of humor. Uh, we can all use it sometimes. Uh, Brandon Ralston says, uh, excuse my language, but I'd pay a blank ton of money to get Bobby <laughs> to play the new NCAA game. We need a reaction when it comes out. Let's do it. I, I want to say this. 
CJ, you had a guy on uh, Bingle, who we've all talked about, right? And he plays. He's he has loves this oh, game. Look at but that. Look at these graphics right here. Wow, <laughs> right. That's that terrible. looks like what my seven-year-old son would have drawn. <laughs> Doesn't that look like a seven-year-old? I mean, that's horrible. Sad. CJ, Dang. did you know graphics used to be that bad? <laughs> hey, that, that was CJ, good for one year old. When was that? <laughs> that 2001. Hmm. 2001, 2002. Yeah, it's like oh, 03. It's, like, it it's 0102, something like that. Yeah. In the private chat, here's how young CJ is. He goes, I didn't know the South End Zone used to look like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I was three. I was three or four years old back then. Oh, man. Hey, thank you. Rod, your thighs have never been that big in your life, and your arms never that big either, too. I mean, I look slow. Look slow. Look like I'm out there getting getting burnt like toast. This is, oh, man. That, I, like I said, back then, you. though, I'm telling you, back then, guys, that was it. That was cutting edge. Like, I tell you, back then, we stay on that game for three, four hours, man. But yeah. nowadays. I wanted to have Santana earlier today, but I know he's got to be excited to be uh, looking at his, you know, his exactly. game a little bit better. Hopefully with the the graphics a little bit better than that, you know. No, hey, Rod, no, hey, they didn't have our name, image, and likeness because they they could use it. So now what, they can use it. Say, yes. look See, like right cornerback number twenty one. That's how you knew who you were on the roster. <laughs> right cornerback. They couldn't even put your name. <laughs> oh, but right. yeah, we weren't using your name, yeah. image, and likeness. Oh man, they, they that was uh, that was one of those things. So, hey. Guys, that's, that's going to awesome. do it for this evening. We'll be back tomorrow morning uh, at Coffee and Football, 8 a.m. Myself, Jerry Hamilton, Blake Monroe will be hosting. Uh, Jerry uh, was uh, up in Dallas this morning. He's going to some schools in the morning as well. Uh, so he'll have some more recruiting information. I think CJ's getting out this week, too. So we'll have a bunch of recruiting information and more on TexasFootball.com is the website. Please join us. Read all our stuff. Uh, feel free to ask us questions there as well. Uh, Rod, you've got... Uh, radio in the morning then you got stuff uh, tomorrow night with talking yeah. ball yeah, uh, so for Rod Babers and CJ Vogel uh, and our producer esteemed producer Matt Hutchison who put up those wonderful pictures of uh, <laughs> our friend Rod Babers uh, this has been the Sunday night live stream brought to you by Mark Saunders of Allstate Insurance this has been on Texas Football hook them guys hook them